Hi there, my name is Jacqueline Agostini and welcome to Laser Ed Weekly. Each episode we deliver entertaining and educating information around laser principles and safety. Today we'll be going into depth on pigmentation treatment using the Elite MPX Alexandrite. I will be your host today as we speak to a range of individuals about their stories and knowledge on this boring topic. Oh, sorry, I meant an intriguing topic. I'm just joking. We've created this podcast for you all to make education exciting and interesting. So here we go. Prior to the introduction of lasers into practices within dermatology, the majority of cutaneous lesions were untreatable. In the 1960s, lasers were introduced into dermatology and were then revolutionised in the 1980s by Anderson and Parrish. This led to the selective uh, photothermolysis theory and further to laser devices becoming one of the main components of the majority of dermatology practices today. So let's make this a bit more interesting. They do say the more the merrier. So I will now introduce my guests on the show. Firstly, we have Martina Messina. How are you today, Martina? I'm very good, Jacqueline. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome, Martina. So please tell me a bit about yourself. So I lived all my life in Europe and worked in the beauty industry since I was 19 years old. I moved to Australia six years ago and enrolled into Dermal Science course at Victoria University a few years later. In my younger age, I was delivering body treatments and the reason why I decided to focus more on skincare is to help patients with issues such as aging and sun damage. I want to educate patients on the importance of skincare and sun protection, but mostly help them to get rid of pigmentation and aging spots in an effective and safe manner. At the moment, I'm working at Australia Laser and Skin Clinic, where we offer a variety of treatments when it comes to pigmentation. There are so many options in the market on how to treat pigmentation, so it will be interesting to hear today about results delivered with Allied MPX. Very good. Thank you, Martina. Now our next guest today is CM Hersey. Hi, CM. How are you? Hi, Jacqueline. I'm good, thank you. I really appreciate for you having me here today. You're very welcome, Sam. Please give me a little background story of yourself. So, to me, understanding pigmentation is very interesting and important because my mom had it. Coming from a country where the sun is really hot, my mom struggled with pigmentation until she was able to come to Australia and treat her pigmentation. This has become a moment for me to experience how confident she really became. Because of this, I want to study dermal science so I can understand how skin pigmentation will work and to help people with it. Awesome. Thanks, Sihem. That's very interesting. It's great to have you here today. Next up is Amanda Wren. Hi there, Amanda. Hi, Jacqueline. Thanks for having me. No worries, Amanda. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. I've been in the beauty industry now for approximately 14 years and I love all areas of the industry. I'm currently studying dermal science at Victoria University and I also work in a medi-spa a couple of days a week at Hope Island on the Gold Coast. I have a home salon and I've also just this year developed my own skincare range focusing on active ingredients Mm -hmm. to treat all types of skin concerns. 
what excites me most in the industry is the ongoing advancements in successfully treating anti-aging concerns and issues such as pigmentation. Growing up on the Gold Coast, I was a sun lover. Therefore, as with a lot of the clients I see, I have some pigmentation concerns on my face. We treat many of our clients at the Medispunk pigmentation and the results can be phenomenal. Great. That's very interesting. Thank you, Amanda. And lastly, we have Ayana Massey. How are you today, Ayana? I'm very well, thank you, Jacqueline. Thanks for having me. No worries. So tell me a bit about yourself, Ayana. Yeah, so I've been a makeup artist for the last 10 years and I began studying dermal science at Victoria University in 2017. I've always had a passion for skin and I believe that a healthy, clear skin is all basis for makeup applications. So being from a Bangladeshi heritage, I've struggled with skin pigmentation issues of my own, which is why laser and treatments really intrigue me. I currently work at a skin clinic where I use this knowledge to my advantage to help clients achieve their skin goals and confidence. Great. Thank you, Rayana. Well, let's get into depth with our episode. Firstly, I will speak to Sihan. I know you are knowledgeable in the theory of selective photothermolysis. Please, can you tell me more about this theory and its purpose? Okay. We use selective photothermolysis to reduce the damage to the surrounding tissue in the skin. This theory is to use electric chromophores to observe laser light where the heat is generated with a shorter pulse duration compared to thermal relaxation time for the, tra- for the chosen lesion. The more specific the laser defies to the target chromosome, the more success the treatment will be. Great. Thank you, Sihan. Now to you, Amanda. We have just learned about this procedure and it being for weird things called pigmented lesions. However, we have no idea what these are. Can you tell me more about pigmented lesions and the type in which they are treated by such theory? Sure. So pigmentary disorders can be hereditary or acquired and they're causing discoloration in the skin from lightening or darkening or an occurrence of unusual skin colour. There are three ways we classify pigmented lesions, which are epidermal, dermal and mixed. The most superficial or epidermal lesions are cafe au lait macules, zoolentogenes, Becker's nevi, nervous spillus, cafe au lait patches and ephylides. Melasma, dermal nevocellular nevi, nevus of artoito, drug or post-inflammatory hypertension, hyperpigmentation are deeper and classified as dermal or mixed. The wavelengths used are dependent upon whether the lesion is epidermal or dermal in origin. So this is very important to know before we treat the client. Interesting. So if a patient presented for with, for example, a dermal classified lesion such as dermal nevocellular nevi, how would you go about treating this? Okay, so longer wavelengths are used to penetrate deeper into the dermal layers of the skin as dermal nevocellular nevi is, as the name suggests, is in the dermal layer, we would use longer wavelengths. So 694 nanometer or higher have been responsive for deeper target areas. For Fitzpatrick 3 and above, the NDAG laser, which has a wavelength of 1064 nanometers, is the most effectual there. Okay, great. And for epidermal lesions, what wavelengths are required there? 
the epidermal lesions, shorter wavelengths of up to 755 nanometers have been deemed more successful when treating the epidermal lesions. The most commonly used lasers for treating pigment and conditions are the Q-switched Ruby laser, as a QSC, QSR 694 nanometers and the Q-switched NDAG laser, which is 1,064 nanometers and 532 nanometers. The Q-switched Alexandrite laser, 755 nanometers and the Intense Pulse Light or the IPL, um, which ranges between 515 and 1,200 nanometers. Very good. So it's very interesting how light affects everyone differently. Now, Martina, you mentioned you, live in, you lived in Europe for the majority of your life. We know that at different areas in the world, the ozone layer is different and therefore UV rays come through stronger and weaker depending on your location. What can you tell me about your experience with people's skin in Europe and in particular in contrast with those here in Australia? Yeah, that's right, Jacqueline. I grew up in Europe where UV radiation is not as bad as here in Australia. So I was shocked to see how much issues with pigmentation and sun damage have women here in Australia. To be clear, women in Europe sunbathe all the time, and I used to do the same, but never had serious burns compared to when I arrived in Australia. So here's a little story about my experience with a powerful UV radiation in a land down under. I'm sure a lot of people can relate with this. So the first time I experienced the strength of the Australian sun was in the first few months of my arrival. So we went canoeing for a couple of hours during lunchtime. I was wearing SPF and sunnies, but I didn't wear a hat. So you can imagine what happens next. I came home red as a tomato. A few days before New Year's Eve, and I couldn't even touch my forehead. I had first degree burn, and I ended up going to the New Year's Eve party with a huge red spot on my forehead, as I couldn't manage to cover it with my makeup as it was so sore. Of course, a year later, I developed hyperpigmentation in that area and my whole face actually became more prone to hyperpigmentation. Wow, Martina, how interesting is that? Great to hear such a relevant story from you. Now, I believe it is necessary to move on and talk a bit more about the device. CM, can you tell me a bit more about this? Yes, so the LEMPX laser um, delivers both the 1064 nanometer NDI and the 755 nanometer Alexandrum. It treats all skin types and contains virus spot size fluent repetition rate, and also it contains intricated similar. Something amazing about this system is that it can operate as a blended or separate wavelength. Wow, so I will now go over to Ayana. Can anyone use this machine or are there some standards involved? Only trained nurses, estheticians, doctors or other highly trained professionals are allowed to operate the Elite MPX devices. It's recommended that all qualified employees who operate the laser system first complete the training and some of it includes basic laser physics, laser safety, soft tissue interaction, laser operation procedures, laser setup procedures, potential hazards, and hands-on experience. Sino closure lasers and clinical training programs should successfully be completed prior to the use. Considering the manual contains all necessary information about the device, including potential hazards, the manual should be kept in close proximity to the device. 
Also, it is considered to be part of their Elite MPX system. Okay, so to you, Martina, tell me why is it important to have the training done? Is there a big risk involved by using this device or are we just being overprotective? So like any other device, there are potential hazards involved. Also, the operators should know all potential hazards and how to provide a safe environment for the patients and, the, and themselves. For example, some of the hazards involved with the Elite NPX system are optical hazards. So if used inappropriately, the laser can cause serious injury to the eyes. And the reason is the emission of invisible laser radiation. This can happen with direct or even with indirect optical contact. So it is crucial that operator and the patient wear appropriate protective eyewear, eyewear that is supplied with this laser system. Furthermore, for no reason, you should be looking directly into the handpiece, even if you wear protective eyewear. So the protective eyewear should be over 5.9 OD at 755 nanometer and over 5.8 OD at 1064 nanometer. It is very dangerous and you don't wanna be playing with fire. Entry to the room should be limited as well, and the room should be set up adequately with no reflective objects or, or surfaces. Lasers should be on standby mode when not in use, so it's not accidentally activated, and all staff should know how to shut the laser off in the case of emergency. Also, the startup key should be kept in a safe place where the laser when the laser is not in use. Great, Martina. So... Are optical hazards the only thing that we should be worried about? No, so there are a few more we need to look into, and I will explain a little bit about each hazard. So we have electrical hazards. Equipment must only be connected to supplying mains with protective earth to avoid risk of electrical shock. We have hot water hazards because the water in the system is very hot, so you shouldn't perform any maintenance on the water system while hot. You should always let the system cool down before changing the water. Also, water needs to be deionized or distillated water. We have induced fire hazard because the surface can absorb the laser energy once when the laser beam gets in contact with it and raises its temperature. Then there are electromagnetic compa compatibility hour hazards as the Elite MPX workstation, including the chiller, should not be stacked with other equipment. Biohazards such as laser plumes requires having a smoke evacuator and wearing a mask for operator protection. Safety management requires identifying risk and hazards, knowledge of Australian standards, consistent audit of programs in place and implementing control measures at all times. Very interesting. So we definitely are not just being over the top. With all these hazards, it is very important to have appropriate procedures in place. So to you, Ayana, what are the possible injuries involved with the Alexa and laser? What should we look out for when obtaining this treatment? For example, how can they be present or identified on the skin? So fortunately, selective photothermolysis does have the ability to cause critical injuries if not handled with caution. These risks can be categorised into pigmentation, scarring, burning, infection and ocular injury. Great. So let's start with pigmentation and scarring. Tell me more about this. So pigmentation can occur in the form of both hyper and hypopigmentation. Fitzpatrick 3 to 6 run a greater risk of this due to the higher target chromophore melanin in the skin. 
The demolition of melanocytes causes an under or overproduction of melanin, resulting in depigmented lesions, which can be irreversible. In terms of scarring, keloid, hypertrophic and pitted scars run a greater risk with the Alexandrite procedures and be, can, can be considered a contraindication. These develop from the generation of tissue destruction, which is formed into high concentration of keratinocytes, causing an under or overproduction of this tissue. This can be treated with creams and other laser therapy. Okay, so you mentioned infections and burns. Tell me more about this. So infections such as herpes simplex virus can be induced as a result of laser treatment. This is more commonly seen in resurfacing ablative treatments when treating the perioral region. Other infections include pseudomonias, candida, staph infection, and E. coli. These can present as mild erythema to crusting and oozing of the skin. The reawakening of these infections run the risk of scarring, as mentioned previously. However, they can be treated with antiviral medication and antibiotics. For burns, the lack of appropriate time between treatments, prolonged use and pulse duration, spot size, fluences, and thermal relaxation time, as well as cooling techniques used before, during, and after treatments, all are attributed to causing burning of the skin. The amount of heat generated by photothermolysis holds in the tissue longer than appropriate and presents with hemogeric crusting of the skin, erythema and ulceration, which can ultimately lead to necrosis. Okay, so what about ocular injuries? As Martina touched on, ocular injuries can occur from both direct and indirect exposure from the light generated by the laser beam. These injuries can happen to both the user and the patient, which ultimately makes appropriate eyewear imperative to anyone in the room. When water is the target chromophore, it damages the cornea of the eye. However, if it's melanin, it damages to the retina. This photocoagulation causes temporary vision loss and permanent blindness may occur. Okay, that all sounds very concerning. We really do have to have the correct eyewear. Do you have an example of any of these injuries or is it just um, from the books that this has all come apart? Yeah, so there's actually a case study that explores a 43-year-old woman who looked directly into an Alexandrite laser beam approximately 60 centimetres away while receiving a pigmentation treatment around the periocular region. She reported blurred vision in her left eye for nine days since the incident, impairing the vision to... 2030. Upon investigating, it was discovered that she had hyperfluorescence leakage and submacular region. Fortunately, she was able to gain her vision back to 2020, though three months of 1.2 milligrams of Avastin injections. Wow, that is very scary. It is definitely very important to go to an accredited practitioner and follow the safety guidelines. So, Siham, tell me, can you perform this laser anywhere, like your house, salon, or other environmental requirements? The environment requirements you have to follow. Like, you can't just perform in any environment, otherwise you put yourself on the client list. Okay, so tell us some of the environmental factors we must follow. So, for some environment requirements you have to follow include Shaving the client in a different room so the hair and the dust particle are minimized in the treatment room. Otherwise, the particles could cause permanent damage to the optical compartment. Make sure the air, make sure the air is free of 
substance, like I said, uh, this is the trimming brings temperature, otherwise above 30 degrees, it can cause humidity it needs to be 20 to 80% non-condensing. Make sure there is a minimum 50, 50 centimeters between the wall and the unit for proper airflow. Do not put the laser near a heating fence heating fence or a different source of heating or temperature variation. Laser warning signs at the entrance of the treatment room where the laser could be in use. Laser wavelengths under 2,500 nanometers should have an oblique, non-infallible non material for at attaching inside the windows to protect them. Sufficient light level needed for, to allow adequate version. Also, enough cooling system must be within the laser to control area so the heat stress in the workplace is reduced. Great. Thank you, Sam. Amanda, are you able to tell me how we must store the laser? Sure. So storage requirements. Um, a laser should be in an area free of corrosive su substances like acids, salts, and minimal dust. Storage location must have a humidity between 10 degrees, 10% uh, and 90%, also a non-condensing. And storage temperature should be between 4 and 43 degrees Celsius, or if the temperature is below 4 degrees, then the cooling system must be drained. Okay, so if I was looking to purchase and treat someone with a laser device, where would I go for information on rules and regulations? Right, so information on regulations in regard to laser storage and usage can be further researched in the Australian New Zealand Standard Safe Use of Laser and Intense Light Sources in the healthcare document. Perfect. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. That concludes our episode. Thank you all for joining us this week and listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed our episode on pigmentation treatment using the Elite MPX Alexandrite. Make sure you visit our website on www.lasersafety.com.au. There you can like and subscribe to our shows on iTunes and never miss an episode. While you are checking out our work, please give us a rating for the show, but only if it's a good one. Take care, guys, and see you next time on Laser Ed Weekly with Jacqueline.